1: This week, we're going to see what Creator discusses along the lines of the need for safety. Now, you know, the topic of safety sounds kind of like a no-brainer. It's like kind of a Captain Obvious thing. But there's a lot of subtleties to this topic that uh, was uncovered in these channelings that are pretty profound, Carl.
2: Yeah, I would have to agree. And my kind of still naive first assessment of questions about this topic kind of left me cold seemed very ho-hum, but in actuality, what we have gotten from Creator and channeling about safety issues in general has allowed Creator to really map out how our minds work. And it turns out the issue of safety is so huge, so fundamental for so many things. It's a big factor in whether we're happy or not in, in ways you wouldn't necessarily expect. So we'll, we'll learn some things today. And things that have practical value. Indeed. We'll get right started. You asked, creator, when
1: one stops to think about it, the one thing that just about all of life shares at some level is the desire for safety. And yet safety is actually one of the most subjective conditions there is. We even speak in terms of feeling safe more than objectively being safe, to the extent that feeling safe may, in fact, be more important than actually being safe. What is Creator's perspective?
2: All right, and this is the answer that I channeled from Creator. This indeed is a universal desire and is present in many, many species as well, and for good reason. Life in the physical has many uncertainties and many dangers as well. Some because other species might attack and attempt to eat you. Some simply because in a physical form you are subject to physical laws and there are many physical forces that might be stronger and more powerful that could harm you. For example, being struck by lightning in a thunderstorm or falling from a great height if you are not careful where you step. Attempting to swim a greater distance than you can manage where you might tire and drown are a few such examples. So this is part of life itself in wanting you to be as safe and secure as possible while feeling natural and at ease and possessing initiative and a desire to explore as an important aspect of your life purpose. It would not serve us or you either for you to be born and then cower in a cave somewhere and only venture forth very, very briefly to forage for food and then scurry back again and hole up in a state of fear because there might be danger. So the art of living is to strike a balance between the demands of life, the uncertainties, the risks and hazards, all of it against the need to break out, to expand, to learn and grow and extend your reach to the fullest possible degree. That is the yearning of your soul. The fear is built into the physical component of your being To help you navigate physical existence when you incarnate and it is not your makeup truly as an individual. It is conditional and a temporary attribute that is very prominent as a feature of physical existence because it is a risky undertaking and has many pitfalls.
1: You know, I'm struck by what Creator says here about not wanting us to be cowering in a cave and maybe venture forth, you know, with great trepidation for a little bit of food and then scurry back to our cave but that describes the agoraphobic you know yeah and and creator's going to talk about
2: that later in this show yeah well that's it's an extreme and so all of life is coping with this reality and it explains a lot like the well-known phenomenon of angst yes that's universal there's always this background anxiety everyone has this is a part of it an important part is actually yeah You
1: ask Creator, when life is new, whether a new soul or even a new baby, is there a feeling of safety and is it the natural condition of consciousness until it is
2: disturbed? All right, and Creator tells us, there is a natural desire for safety. But even from the first breath, there is an awareness of the uncertainty one is being subjected to because not all sensations are pleasant and things begin harshly many, many times through no true fault of the mother or the caregivers helping with the delivery. But to be forced down the birth canal with powerful contractions that might be painful for the infant and then expelled into a new environment altogether, separated from the mother for the first time and often feeling cold because they're outside the warmth of the womb And then perhaps being handled by other beings, hung upside down and slapped on the rump, for example, to elicit a cry, are not only an insult, but an assault on the senses. And this is quite keenly felt by infants being ultra-sensitive and having been sheltered from environmental stimuli of an adverse sort during their gestation. And now many things are hitting all at once. This will cause great uncertainty and doubt within about what is going on and why, not as a conscious thought with words, but a feeling of disquiet, unease, anxiety, and an awareness of being off balance. This is painful and upsetting, but it arouses immediately the inner equipment to steel oneself against adversity and look all the more closely at what is happening to learn from it, and to be wary. These are instincts built into the human makeup as a physical organism for survival value, and this is very important as a part of learning. The harshness when mother is not near is all too likely. But when the mother picks up the infant, shelters them in her arms, speaks or sings lovingly to them, and radiates her love and the warmth of her body in a welcoming embrace, The infant knows all is well and will become quite happy and content and will have no trouble resting through sleep because they feel safe. And that is the power of love from a nurturing mother, to be everything the infant needs, in the moment at least, to soothe and reassure and help build the inner strength of the infant, to expect good things and not be in a state of fear unnecessarily. But at the same time, with respect to your question of whether feeling safe is a natural condition of consciousness, we would say no. Consciousness can exist in many forms, in many ways, and in many states of vibration. Some infants, even during gestation, begin to grow fear because their mind will be starting to form images of things that are reminders of other lifetimes when things did not go well. They will not be able to process this logically or see in great detail those prior events, but there will be a feeling of disquiet and even anxiety. This is why some babies are quite unhappy from birth and may cry and cry and cry and make everyone miserable. This is often attributed to gas pains, but we can tell you it is just as often a feeling of fear and terror within because of karmic business from prior lifetimes being resurrected within the being and feeling the impact of being back in the physical and the heavy density of the energy within your realm. That is not the condition of a light being and is not pleasant for light beings to experience. You are used to it, and so you do not complain. But from our perspective, there is plenty to be concerned about, and the infant will often feel this as well. Well, it's really interesting that Creator points out past
1: life concerns upon the baby being born. And I've been doing a lot of research in uh, reincarnation memories, past life memories that children have. And some babies are actually born with birthmarks uh, that accompany wounds from previous lifetimes. You know, if they were stabbed or something like that, there might be a birthmark where that stabbing took place. Well, that's an impingement during the gestation period. And it probably flowers maybe into full anxiety upon birth, potentially. You know, so it's, there's, a, there's powerful connections being made here. It's very interesting.
2: Well, there are many levels of awareness and things come and go. They might be foggy but enough to trigger uncertainty and fear and a kind of chronic anxiety if there's something brewing and they know it, the infant. Yep. And I, I have many lines of evidence that babies will often know if they're unwanted. Yes. They'll sense it intuitively by the mother carrying them in the womb. And, and, it, and it's devastating to their sensibilities because they're yearning for love. They're primed to do that, expect it. And when they don't get it, it, it undermines everything from their perspective because it's the number one priority. So there's, there's a lot to the issue of safety in many regards. Absolutely. You ask Creator, trust is
1: very closely associated with safety. It's easy to trust when one feels safe and very difficult when one does not. What is Creator's perspective?
2: All right. Creator tells us the following. We see these as parallel and intertwined because they are reflecting a similar level of vibration energetically in terms of the emotions and being experienced. While not the same thing, they are both a higher level vibration. And so things must be in reasonably good shape to experience either of these. we're talking about feeling safe or trusting. So what you ask about is getting at the truth of things, that if one does not feel safe, one will not necessarily trust those around them, depending on their level of understanding of where that unsafe feeling is coming from. If they are with trusted companions and caregivers who they have come to know from long experience and have faith in, the presence of those others who are trusted may well restore good feelings and overcome any doubts in the moment and restore trust in things and in life itself. This is the main problem when a young infant or even an older individual child is thrust into new circumstances, especially with other people they do not know. If there is not a history of being loved and nurtured in a series of successful encounters with others that went well, causing no harm or difficulty, that will build the capacity for trusting even strangers and will serve the person well as they grow and learn and branch out among a wider and wider circle of acquaintances and friends eventually they cultivate. When one is harmed at a very young age, trust will be quite difficult because it does depend on feeling safe. So a low vibrational state of mind will make it very difficult to have any kind of response requiring a higher vibration. In a room full of strangers, when one does not trust unfamiliar people, that may trigger past memories of similar circumstances when one was not safe and bad things happened. And that might well create a block against interacting and even an escalation of inner negativity causing the person to want to flee, to save themselves. Being forced into situations where one must override their instincts and tough it out is quite difficult. And this causes great wounding in young children when they encounter unpleasant circumstances, perhaps in a daycare setting or later on in school, where they might not trust their teacher and feel very unsafe at the same time. Those children who are bullied have good reason to lack both trust and feelings of safety. So life teaches many things, and it is important to develop discernment about who one can trust and who one cannot. Once a young person experiences being harmed, it will be all the harder for them to establish trust in others and thereby feel safe around them. Here again is a mechanism and phenomenology that can become quite a trial and a hindrance and hold a person back from happiness when those inner feelings are triggered too readily and cause responses that cannot be reined in and held in abeyance in order to test the waters and perhaps be sure of someone before giving in to the need to withdraw and save the self in every such possible encounter. So here again, what is needed is a balance. So due caution is maintained when there is uncertainty about one's environment and the trustworthiness of those present, but enough inner strength that one can handle the circumstances and not immediately have too high a stress level triggered automatically, which makes it impossible to tolerate the situation in order to give things a chance. And once a person develops adequate discernment, we'll be able to mix in society and do quite well and we'll come to trust their instincts about such things, and it will serve them well if it is developed in a healthy way. Some can do this and others not, and that is the penalty of being harmed. It may forever impair the ability to feel safe no matter where one is or who one is with and that is a major source of difficulty for far too many and can be a lifelong impairment leading to chronic unhappiness this
1: is a very very powerful channeling you know one it, it really lays out you know how important a nurturing environment for young young people is, you know, and it it gives me a new appreciation for that. In fact, you know,
2: creator really lays it out here. Well, kids, as we know, are fresh, they have high energy, they're on an upward growth phase and can handle quite a lot. They're notably resilient. And have a kind of an inner creativity they can bring to bear with a lot of different things, and they're, they're flexible, they can adapt, they can fit in, they can learn the ropes and have the sitting change and learn the ropes over again. They, they have that kind of learning mentality and, and a kind of inner drive to excel, and that makes up for a lot, but everyone has their limits. And when somebody comes in already coming from behind because they've been wounded in other lives, you can have the most wonderful childhood that can be engineered with human capability and loving and nurturing from both parents and, and maybe loving siblings who want a younger sibling and they, they welcome the new infant. But that infant could still be miserable because yeah. they've been roughed up in other lifetimes And they're not yet over it because it's hanging over their head as a sort of Damocles from the law of karma, expecting them to fix that. Yeah. And and we're not taught about this. And that's the purpose of all the work we do to bring that forward. Absolutely.
1: You know, they're coming in with all this back. And unfortunately, karma kind of attracts what your dilemma is, right? So if you have a, a, a past life dilemma, of not being able to trust and being ha- having been wounded by a difficult childhood with difficult parents, unfortunately, you're kind of gonna attract that again, which is more likely to enhance the problem rather than resolve
2: it. So it, it, it's quite the conundrum, um, and what's we, well, needed is healing. Yeah. Yes, exactly, because kids can create their own self-imposed, self, self-made prison through having interfere about this sort of stuff right and others around them will see them well that person's shy I better leave yeah. them alone you know they can't you know they're I'm making them uncomfortable I'll, I'll play with someone else and what that tells the sufferer is oh there's something wrong with me yeah. people don't like me or I can't be sure of them I can't rely on them they don't seem to warm up they don't seem to reach out to me. I'm afraid to reach out to them. They may not think that consciously, but that's how they're acting. And it's off-putting, and it it keeps them locked in a cage they created because of worrying about their own history. That is the mechanism that is a ball and chain around everyone's ankle. It's our karmic heritage. And we haven't had good ways to heal it all through history. That can change now. Yes, we have the tools to do that. And
1: one of the the biggest tool of them all is the Lightworker Healing Protocol. You can learn about that by downloading the ebook that we have at getwisdom.com. Getwisdom.com/lhp. Getwisdom.com/lhp. And your life should be sprinkled with empowered prayer whenever you they have the thought. Because a simple thought that can take ten seconds to put out there can make a world of difference. Get the Empowered Prayer Book. Uh, GetWisdom.com/prayer. GetWisdom.com/prayer, and we'll be right back with more Get Wisdom and exploring the topic of safety when we come back after this. We're looking at what creator says about the need for safety, um, not just amongst humans, but amongst uh, many living creatures. You know, it's it's a built-in need, and uh, one that we're we're kind of unpeeling today, Carl.
2: Yeah, you know, it is central to our survival, and everything that we do has that in the background. It's kind of like a shadow hanging over us, and the mind is always scanning. It's asking the question, is it safe? Is it not safe? Are we safe? Are we not safe? Every time you hear a sound you don't expect, you stop. And animals do this too. They'll alert. They'll turn towards it, perk their ears up if they have ears like that, to check it out. And we do the same thing. Everything will stop with some interruption that's even subtle because our mind demands it. We have to know. Yeah. Are they coming for us? (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, dear. You asked creator, in the animal kingdom, safety is largely arranged by instinct, though some of the more intelligent species do seem to engage in some tutoring of the young. In truly sentient beings, the role of instinct is seemingly performed by a complex and often contradictory and conflicting collection of beliefs, some of which the individual is aware of consciously, and many they are not. Can creator comment on the similarity of belief to instinct, as well as the critical differences when it comes to feeling and arranging safety for oneself and others.
2: Right, and this is what Creator says. In sentient beings, there is a base instinct level that is independent of thought and pertains to the state of being as an animal in a physical body. These are natural tendencies and built-in reactions like a response to pain, whether physical or emotional the yearning and need for nurturing and love, and the reaction to mistreatment that cuts love short or gets in the way. Particularly when it is done deliberately and in a malicious fashion, there will be a strong instinctive reaction and a desire to escape the situation through either fight or flight. So that response to stress is a powerful motivator and designed to be protective and life-prolonging and will run on autopilot. This is why it is hard to block by force of will alone. In a sense, it has a life of its own because it is an inherent aspect of the physical being and operates according to its own rules when in a circumstance that triggers an instinctive response of some kind. The great majority of the regulatory mechanisms in dealing with life and things beyond the self especially become more and more complex starting from birth onward. It does not take long before there are hundreds and then thousands of specific beliefs about all manner of circumstances that have been experienced and absorbed as a life lesson into the being with the creation of a corresponding belief or set of beliefs, if warranted, that thenceforth will govern thoughts and feelings and behavior when in a similar situation and a belief is triggered the inner self on a deep subconscious level will honor that belief and almost unerringly follow its guidance as a mandate. Beliefs are quite powerful and they are automatic. They are not a matter of choice, but in a sense are the hard wiring, the actual programming of a person to define much about their makeup and how they will act and react in a given life circumstance. When the beliefs are proportional and accurately representing reality, this will add strength and capability and wherewithal to the being to make them an effective individual in all they do. But when the beliefs become unnecessarily negative or exaggerated as a consequence of mistreatment, especially when there is significant pain and suffering involved, beliefs that are Quite dark are easily cultivated and then can begin to dominate and rule the life of a person to restrict them many times from further growth and become quite life-limiting because every time they want to do something, their subconscious may say no and overrule it by stirring up very strong negative emotion. And this creates an automatic reaction so a person will develop an aversion to being in certain circumstances that resemble prior times of trauma from being neglected or abused in some way. This reaches a pinnacle in the agoraphobic individual who may well not be able to leave their own home because their fear is so great of venturing forth they cannot handle it and become overwhelmed from the stress. There are many gradations in how people experience negative reactions and emotional consequences from all sorts of situations, circumstances, and encounters. Almost always, it is the resurrecting of prior trauma automatically because beliefs are being triggered, and then emotions resembling a prior difficulty will be generated, and this will cause a person to want to back away and withdraw. It takes the fun out of life and can be quite a hindrance to the point where people cannot engage socially with others. They may not be able to attend school or work with others in a setting where they must perform alongside other people, but will never feel comfortable around them and in a state of heightened anxiety, may not think well and may not be able to tolerate it for even the length of a workday when the feelings are too extreme. So this takes a heavy toll when the beliefs become exaggerated and so plentiful in a negative form that a person becomes highly constrained and limited in what they can tolerate.
1: You know, I, I love it's It's so simple, the notion that you want to do something and your deep subconscious is saying no, right? And a lot of people, when they get that no in the terms of angst or fear or loathing, Will simply shrink away and, and make an excuse and exit, stage left, right? And, but you know, it's, it's, we don't have to say, we don't have to obey the no. I mean, that's the, 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 the no is, uh, is an advisement, perhaps a warning, a very strong one. But we do have free will to go against that. But most people don't. Most people, if they get that, that warning that
2: says no, they, they obey it without question. Well, you can't override your own inner beliefs. Except under extreme circumstances, when maybe you're forced to do it. But given a choice, you likely will stay within the little fence you built around yourself with your negativity. This is the closest that comes to be a truism that many of the spiritual people bandy about, that we create our reality. (laughs) Yeah. They think you're creating everything around you, like the world. and. Right the environment and what other people do to you and so on, that you can magically make that happen with your mind. What you can magically make happen with your mind is beat up on yourself and hold dark beliefs, and that'll constrain and limit you all day long if if it's built to that extent. Yeah. It's very hard to overcome, but there is an answer and we're gonna to get to. Absolutely. You asked
1: Creator, in legal contracts, the boilerplate language can get quite lengthy and detailed. It has been said that every sentence in the boilerplate represents something bad and disastrous that had happened, which necessitated the invention and introduction of that language into the model contract. Does the complex collection of beliefs held by every sentient being regarding safety and what constitutes it and what is needed to provide for it evolve in a similar fashion? That with every disaster, beliefs about safety and what is needed to assure it are created and or augmented.
2: All right, and creator answers as follows. This is a quite accurate perspective of the working of the mind in the face of adversity. Repeated trauma will worsen things because the adversity of prior experiences and the emotions generated and the negative beliefs that became entrenched will all be re-triggered and re-experienced with a similar occurrence that happens in the future at some point, And that learning kicks in. There will be a much quicker response and a surge of negative feelings, from feeling threatened and uncertain about safety in the new experience that raises old issues. And every time something like it happens, it may get worse with a more intense need to escape. So given the length of the human life, there are many opportunities to experience bad things again and again, and people develop many thousands of negative beliefs as a consequence And it is much like a lengthy contract of many pages and clauses and subclauses to reference all the shades of gray and variations on the theme for being unsafe to some degree and what one needs to do about it. Most people are quite a walking catalog of negative self-limiting beliefs about many, many subjects. And they truly are life-limiting with respect to happiness and many times severely in restricting the possibility of engaging in many activities simply because they are too painful for the person to tolerate making the attempt. Someone who is a wallflower at a school party, because they feel uncomfortable around their peers, may well grow up to be a recluse and unable to engage in interpersonal relationships of a personal nature to any extent. This is a tragedy of missed opportunity, All because there is a great healing need being unmet and the negative beliefs grow to an intolerable degree and stirring up inner torment, doubt, and fear and make life a kind of prison for the sufferer. They simply have too large and extensive a rule book that controls them and rules out much of life and its many options. Wow, that last statement there is one I
1: wish I'd been able to come up with on my own. <laughs> they simply have too large and extensive a rule book that controls them and rules out much of life and its many options. That just says it right there. That is that is profound.
2: Well, I have a compilation of common negative beliefs. And it's a large book, large format of about a thousand pages. Wow. <laughs> and you can look up any kind of attribute, and there'll be dozens to scores of negative beliefs that are commonly encountered by people who check people to see what beliefs are being held, chiefly in the subconscious mind. Right. So, th- this is a serious problem because it is a way we restrict ourselves all along the way. So, we're always fighting against ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. You ask Creator,
1: is the overwhelming need for power and control, in fact, an overcompensating desire, to provide an adequate level of safety for the self and the ones that one, that the self cares for?
2: All right, Creator tells us, this is an insightful analysis of the interrelationship that seems paradoxical to many who see those without who, whose outstanding characteristic is being domineering and controlling as being quite strong. And may be effective in what they do in possessing leadership qualities and never guess they might be harboring great doubts or fear and using those behaviors in a desire to compensate for that inner weakness and uncertainty. But it may well be the case. When people are controlling and acting in an arrogant, demanding way, they are reacting to an inner uncertainty and need for safety and actually fear Being out of control because they do not believe enough in themselves and cannot trust others to be fair and kind and nurturing, and so they must try to control other people and perhaps will arrange things to keep them at arm's length, to keep them busy with some kind of make-work projects and so on, all because they cannot trust letting that person get too close. And they see to it by engineering a task or a duty through expectation and pressure on the other person to comply. It is all a ruse to avoid putting themselves at risk and trusting others to get close. So people vary widely in how they respond to inner fear. Some fight back and will go on the attack because to do so is reassuring that they do have power after all and an ability to control their environment as a way of reassuring themselves that things will turn out okay. And they have the power and wherewithal to make it so. Others will crumble and may even become non-functional when they are forced into situations where they feel they are at the mercy of others who will take advantage of them. And whether this is a real and accurate perception or simply fear, it can render a person helpless when severe enough. So both strategies are ultimately unsatisfactory and lead to further problems. What is needed always is deep healing to restore a feeling of safety for themselves and others they care about, so they will be able to enjoy a period of calm and stability, free from anxiety and tension.
1: Well, Well, it is interesting. You know, Creator points out that a lot of people would probably be surprised by the fact that those that appear strong and domineering may be operating from anxiety at a very, very deep and profound level. You know, I'm reminded of uh, Joseph Stalin when uh, Hitler was invading Russia. You know, as they were approaching Moscow, Stalin basically shut down for like a week. You know, he literally he hid himself in his room, wouldn't talk to anybody. And <laughs> for all practical purposes, probably in the corner in a field position, rocking back and forth, you know. Um, so. The powerful are driven by anxiety to a great extent that, that I think a lot of people don't appreciate.
2: Yes, this is unfortunately a universal problem. And the the, the the mighty, the privileged, the celebrity class, the elites in society and so on are not spared these phenomena. They have their own ability to cope with it and maybe have money and means to get a lot of help (laughs) so they can do maybe better than average, but they still have their inner demons, so to speak, and they have their risks that hold them down and make them less effective. And when people are in positions of authority and have personal issues and problems, as we all do, that's going to color things and influence the outcomes of what they're responsible for. And people won't understand this. Yeah. You know, people have differing levels of competence and efficiency and effectiveness. And it's looked at very superficially. You know, what's their ideology or what color are they and what gender are they and so on more and more these days. And those are really superficial, irrelevant characteristics to begin with. And at the root of concerns of all that is what? Beliefs, <laughs> negative beliefs. Yeah. I got to be the right color to fit in. I got to be the right color. And then I get blamed yeah, for right. having privileges. That I don't know where that comes from, but I'm feeling uneasy now. And so we go round and round with our inner core beliefs about all kinds of things. And, you know, the thing that's kind of a little
1: disquieting is this notion that we have a rule book with thousands of rules and sub-chapters and sub phrases and all this kind of stuff and you know psycho psychoanalysis right where you sit on the couch and you talk to the therapist and you're going over your beliefs you know is designed to try to resolve some of those tensions but gosh you can only work on like one at a time you know how are you going to you won't have enough time in a whole lifetime to have psychotherapy sort through all of, your, all of your thousands of beliefs about safety
2: well and and without wanting to step on toes too harshly here that will not change beliefs that will change your desire to want to believe something different and to have you develop the insight that your view of reality and who you are is maybe unfortunate and maybe directly wrong but you may still be trapped with the negative beliefs that are holding you back even with all that insight yeah. And and I hear this a lot from people, "Oh, I really learned a lot about myself from that 20 years of, of therapy, but I still have the same problems." <laughs> and yeah, this is why. Awesome. And yes. and this is very very important and has so many ramifications. And we're going to come to the solutions in our next segment. Well, the solutions are the lightworker healing protocol. We'll we'll have the spoiler up front
1: here. <laughs> well, we're going to explain why that is. Exactly. But you can get in the meantime, you can download during the break. The Lightwork Healing Protocol ebook. Get that at getwisdom.com slash LHP. That's getwisdom.com slash LHP. And visit getwisdom.com to see our healing services. We have a healing menu item and check that out. You can uh, engage a practitioner who can do quite wonderful things on your behalf or those you love. So check it out and we'll be back, back with the final segment of Get Wisdom right after this.
0: Welcome back to the final segment of This Week's Week of Wisdom,
1: where Creator is schooling us on the importance of safety and, and all of the deep ramifications that surround it. So it's, a, it's a, turning out to be a bigger topic than I anticipated,
2: Carl. Well, this is a central pillar of human existence and the need to have things lined up the best way and to be in a state of balance and not have liabilities so we're talking about a major concern that, that spills over into many categories because there's safety about this and then there's safety about that and safety about many aspects you know, where, in one's career. Are you yeah. safe in your workplace? Are you safe in, in having a job in a field that's going to hold up over time? There, there's all kinds of ways we can become unsafe unexpectedly. With things falling through, plans petering out, and backfiring. Yeah, and then there's so the anticipation of that unsafety. On, on top of that, so sure, absolutely. You ask, creator.
1: It seems safety is, in essence, a complex miasma of beliefs, often contradictory. Can creator tell us how belief replacement can work effectively on this problem? We are told, however, that beliefs that are held and embraced by the individual are often left alone or avoided because they are considered a product of or adoption by free will choice this seems to be one of the biggest barriers there is in terms of getting help from the divine for people identify quite strongly with their outlooks and beliefs about safety and what constitutes
2: it oh boy that's true what can creator tell us all right creator says this indeed is a conundrum that because beliefs are powerful and so important in the scheme of things They must be reckoned with in order to deal with many kinds of adversity and help people remain on an even keel and restore a healthier outlook when they give in to fear and negativity. At the same time, and for the reason beliefs are so important in governing all that happens and can be allowed to happen because of the makeup of a person is determined by the beliefs they hold. The ability to change negative beliefs into neutral or positive ones is one of the most powerful ways to obtain healing that cannot be done arbitrarily by the divine realm because it goes against free will. This leaves a person stuck, having been programmed by self-limiting beliefs to be less effective, less happy and working against themselves. And because they are a product of free will and people have the free will and free agency to make their own choices, including to feel badly fear the future, and even hate themselves, we cannot simply step in and change that, even though we know it would lift a dark cloud from their existence and be a blessing. But at the same time, it would usurp their power to be in charge, and then we would be running their life and not them. So this dilemma does have an answer, and that is for the individual to partner with Creator to obtain some help through direct requests for assistance in changing the negative self-limiting beliefs to help them be a healthier, happier individual in their makeup, their inner programming, so to speak. That can be done, but it must be done with someone with belief in the divine and belief in their own worthiness to receive a divine intervention of this magnitude. People are not taught about such things and how to go about developing such a partnership. Most people do not recognize the true dimensions of their own limitations, where they come from, why they are there, and the options that are available to reckon with the difficulty they face in having many distortions of thinking, perhaps a number of bad habits and self-destructive, self-sabotaging thoughts and behaviors. They are not only too close to the problem, they are uneducated and untutored to lack a full understanding of levels of the mind, where problems come from, and what the divine can do in partnership with them to change things for the better. That is quite a tragedy because the need is so great for everyone in the human realm at this point suffering a huge backlog of unmet karmic healing and repair needs of all kinds.
1: Well, Creator is not coming out and saying it directly, but boy, it is implied as deeply as you can imagine. Creator says people are not taught how to partner with Creator, essentially. And apparently it's not Creator's role to teach. It's going to be ours.
2: Well, there again, that's free will. We're on a learning curve and have been all through history, and it hasn't been pretty we haven't done the greatest job, and we've come a, a, a fair ways, but we're not there yet. And this, this is something that can take us over the top, I believe, in having the deep understanding we're getting through these channelings. Absolutely. Uh, and Creator gets on
1: that in the last question. You ask Creator, can Creator tell us how empowered prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol not only provide genuine safety but also divinely align our haphazard beliefs and outlook about it.
2: All right, here we go. Creator says, these tools are not only the best way to request divine oversight, safety and protection, but also remove inner roadblocks to recognizing and feeling safe when one achieves a higher plateau of comfort inner peace and equanimity. The overriding difficulty and fundamental problem of having so many negative beliefs cannot be dealt with by an individual themselves, but only with outside help and only through the divine realm, for the most part, to achieve meaningful change. The irony is that the divine can effect quite rapid belief replacement with positive perspectives depending on the width and depth of the underpinnings karmically for what is out of alignment. Some issues take longer than others to work through all of the underlying obstacles to healing, but usually the biggest obstacles are beliefs themselves. So when these can be changed one by one, eventually one will reach a state of freedom from such liabilities so they can function in a calm state of being and face life's challenges without exaggerated responses that quickly reach a state of near overwhelm from which a person must withdraw to save themselves or even shut down through a kind of nervous exhaustion and precipitate a crisis as another means of escaping what they are feeling is an overwhelming danger to their well-being even when it has no name and face but is only feelings People can only tolerate just so much adversity, insecurity, and suffering. And when they reach their limit, a number of quite unpleasant things can happen. There can be the development of physical abnormalities as an outlet for that negative energy. And this may create a situation where they start on a downward spiral requiring medical treatment, often being misdiagnosed as a chronic malady when it is entirely based on emotion and karmic trauma and will not go away simply by covering it up with drugs to blot out feelings for a time. Only true karmic repair can rebalance things and allow a person to be restored and perhaps for the first time to a state of high functioning where they can truly make progress with their life and not spend it entirely in trying to catch up from falling behind early and often when they feel too stressed to participate and suffer the consequences from having an impaired life that singles them out for criticism and rejection all too often. People do not want to associate with those they consider to be failures. And it is often from fear. People fear the fearful. (laughs) Most people have significant problems they struggle with themselves and simply cannot risk taking on someone else's burdens. In addition, they do not know how to heal such things either. And being around someone who suffers unrelentingly will trigger their own inner fear and unhappiness. And so it is a risk to be around people who are downtrodden when one is not strong and confident to begin with. Empowered prayer is a great starting point on all fronts to improve things. But the Lightworker Healing Protocol is a more definitive answer for the many varied sources of negativity, all of which can work in concert to become a formidable foe in reckoning with life. Using the protocol is the very best way to partner with Creator to regain the high ground, make up for deficiencies, and maximize one's potential for reaching life goals and truly excel. Most people never carry out their life mission planned prior to their incarnation. They fall by the wayside when life proves too difficult and challenging. And that will misdirect a person and preoccupy them with distractions and diversions. And every time it takes something away will hold a person back all the more. So most people end up in a kind of on a kind of treadmill and never truly advance and in fact may well continue falling behind as their life difficulties mount when they are not dealt with effectively through healing in the moment or within a reasonable span of time to keep the person in fighting trim. That is possible to achieve by applying the Lightworker Healing Protocol to raise them up, work through the backlog of unhealed karmic trauma, and deal with new things as they come along in a rapid fashion. And that will keep people in the game as effective advocates for their interests and goals and able to take care not only of themselves, but their loved ones. When healing is provided in an effective way, that is when people can truly thrive and become the fullest expression of their soul and what it is capable of being. There are many things standing in your way. If you want to make your life count, You will likely need healing to deal with all that is being thrown at you and will be coming in the future. Those who do not know the strength of the darkness that is lining up against them will be powerless to survive in the face of the onslaught. Using empowered prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol, you can become a champion and rise above the fray and not only survive, but become a true champion for the light. And this will be an achievement that will stand for all of time. But you must decide to act and then do it for this to happen. You know, and we've seen through the process of this work that, you know, a lot
1: of people that are downtrodden, if you look back at their past lives, they're all downtrodden in those too. It becomes kind of a chronic condition that, that follows them from life to life to life. And the Light Healing Protocol is one way to break that cycle not only for this one life they're living but for for their entire multiple span of lives so it's critically important
2: carl yes this this is uh, this is central and the amazing thing about the lightworker healing protocol is the ability to do trauma resolution belief replacement and installation of positive attributes to overcome the inner liabilities that we learn from bad experiences and bad times and learn falsely that that is what the world is like that is who i am i'm a weakling i'm powerless i'm helpless i am going to suffer nothing can save me i have to be safe all the time there is no safe place to be i am never safe all these are all beliefs people can have yeah i I have to fragment to protect myself and there's nowhere to turn. There's a disempowerment in a lot of beliefs, too, where they
1: feel that this is something that has to be provided for them from outside themselves, you know, and that, that, that they're kind of a victim of circumstance and that they, they don't have yes. any ability to change it themselves. And in many
2: ways, they don't. But the Lightworking Protocol now gives the tool to make that happen. Well, it's a blessing and it can change the world for the better and it can save and heal humanity in the midst of dark times. Absolutely.
1: Be sure to get it. At getwisdom.com slash LHP. Gives us another slash LHP. That's all the time we have for this week's Get Wisdom. We'll see you next time. Be well.
0: Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 PM Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week.